Women have been giving birth for centuries, so it's a pretty natural experience, right? Wrong. I'm Stephanie King, professional doula, childbirth educator, and the creator of the My Essential Birth Course, the online childbirth education course that's helping women everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. Today's culture would have us think that birth should be treated like an illness or an emergency, and that most of us need other people telling us what's best for our bodies because we aren't the experts. So sit tight, because if you're tuning into this podcast, you'll probably start to believe in your body, your intuition, and find yourself empowered and confident to do what it takes to have the birth of your dreams. If you like listening to me take you through these weekly topics step-by-step, then you're going to love the My Essential Birth course. Make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast and definitely head over to myessentialbirth.com for the free downloads mentioned right here in these episodes and to join the birth course and community full of pregnant moms just like you. I have to add a disclaimer that I am not a medical professional and I cannot provide medical advice. All of the information expressed in this podcast are based off of personal, professional, and educational experiences and are my own opinions. Please work with a provider you trust for medical advice during your pregnancy and birth. All right. This week's reviewer of the week is KLCID86. She says, the best birth podcast. I've listened to hundreds, if not thousands of hours of birth podcasts in the past five years. I'm pregnant with my second and a self-confessed birth nerd. Join the club. I only recently found this podcast and I have to say it's quickly become my favorite. A great mix of information and humor. I appreciate every episode. I don't know that I could ask for a better review for that. Somebody who has listened to hundreds, if not thousands of birth podcasts, hours of birth podcasts, and you're loving this one. So thank you for being a part of this. Thank you for leaving the review. And I'm so excited because we've got another awesome episode here today. Uh, I have with me Bonnie. I went to write an intro and I'm like, you guys should know her. (laughs) You've been listening. Um, She was on here with me not too long ago. We talked about informed consent. We talked about doulas. She's a doula, an up-and-coming midwife. She just had a baby. In fact, last time she was on our podcast, she was pregnant. And now she's just gorgeously not pregnant. (laughs) So we're excited to have her back. But... I am really excited because as long as I've known Bonnie within the the birth world, um, at least it was very shortly after, if anything, she started doing placenta encapsulation. Mm -hmm. And I know this is a huge topic for any mom who is pregnant, but especially those of you that are listening. Like I know this comes up in the community all the times, all the times. That's a thing. All the times. Uh, All the times. times. But also within the birth course, you moms that are in the birth course, this is a constant question. Like, what about the placenta? And I love that it's a question now because I think even when we started doing birth stuff, which was not that long ago. uh, Or maybe it was. But wink, wink. (laughs) Okay. Um, When we started doing birth stuff a little bit ago, it wasn't this like big popular thing. In fact, it was the first time I had even heard about it was when I started teaching birth classes and people started talking about placenta encapsulation so anyways i'm excited for you to be back i'm excited to talk about this i'm excited to be back yay (laughs) so let's dive in what is maybe we'll just start off with what is placenta encapsulation well in you know a nutshell placenta encapsulation is the process of taking the placenta for for the client um they could do it themselves i suppose but um generally someone is trained in it and they take the placenta clean it prepare it and put it dry it put it into pills and then the mom takes it so it's a little bit more of a friendlier version than what people used to do (laughs) before the pills you know came came onto the scene I think in the 70s was when they decided to actually 
you know, turn it into a pill, like a supplement. It, it felt easier for women to take a pill versus yeah. chomp it or, you know. Yeah. Okay, talk background, because now I am sitting here and I know moms are going to be wondering, like, where did this come from? Like, we know, maybe you know, animals eat their placentas after they give birth. Mm -hmm. So that's a thing. And there are benefits to that. So then we kind of decided to start doing this ourselves or maybe explain that. Well, so they it, you know, there are um, their reports or um, history, you know, they in history from like 1400 years ago in China, there are reports of people consuming placenta. In Europe, that went all the way back. I think they say the first one reported placenta consumption um, since it wasn't pills, wasn't encapsulation back then, but it was placenta consumption was in 1556 in Europe. Wow. Yeah. And um, there's you know, lots of healing properties that they really believed. A lot of people will talk about um, traditional Chinese medicine, and that has, there's a lot of roots with placenta encapsulation in TCM. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but there are so many different cultures. It's not just Chinese um, that, that were utilizing it. Um, in the medieval times, they believed that the placenta was the, they called that the bed of the child. And mm-hmm. that it would provide comfort to the baby, and um, like you know, keep it comfy, keep it company while you know they were in utero. Um, in Indonesia, they believe that the placenta is the brother or the sister of the baby, and so they would say that when um, you know you get those cute little baby smiles when they're dreaming, when they're asleep, when they're tiny little babies, they used to say that that was them their souls playing with each other the soul of the placenta and the soul of the baby were playing together um which i think is kind of like a really cute yeah you know cute thing um i they in in the pacific islands they would bury the placenta in the garden to ensure that they would be a the baby would be a good gardener later in life so they would it would you know to promote health and longevity um and I find it really interesting to some of these beliefs, um, like in Sumatra, they would put the placenta in a clay pot and give it to the river to prevent the baby from having cold hands and feet later in life, hmm. which I think is also just kind of, you know, um, not not superstitious, but, you know, they had these like beliefs surrounding it. And traditions behind mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. And just the general regard for the sanctity of it yeah like the special like it's special in some way Mm -hmm. which is super neat which it is yeah right we grow an entire organ (laughs) for our baby so it is it's amazing yeah they in fact in the um anthropologists have found that clear back in the 17th and 18th centuries there were specific pots that were not used for anything else and those pots they would they would put the placenta in those pots and bury them around their homes Mm -hmm. and all of these anthropologists found them and they you know figured that out they're like this is just for the placenta these these really special that's interesting pots and they were really adorned they weren't just like it wasn't just like a standard clay pot yeah that's really neat yeah and i like the background yeah and warriors would eat them to make them stronger in ancient times i'll stop you there (laughs) (laughs) i love it um okay i have to wonder Mm -hmm. kind of united states version and maybe you do maybe you don't know the complete history here Mm -hmm. but it makes me wonder 
I feel like we probably did some more natural things prior to everybody heading to the hospital to give mm-hmm. birth to their babies. Yeah. Um, so was that something that you found prior to those hospital, those early 1900 years that even here in the United States, that there were things with the placenta, either consumption or different traditions that they did before we ended up in the hospital and it was discarded as medical waste? Um, you know, a lot of that is kind of surrounding like European history from what I know. Sure. I think that it probably translated the same over here, um, but I don't know necessarily like the depth of yeah. of like, I guess we would be talking about like early settlers and Native American, and I don't know know yeah. those details. It's just per curious. Se. Yeah. It's curious because I think as soon as things got super medicalized, we saw a lot of the disintegration of like the trusting ourselves, our bodies, the you know, mm-hmm. and I feel like that might have just been part of it. So it was interesting, and like I said, as far as like placenta encapsulation goes, or or consuming our placentas, that was not news to me until about thirteen years ago maybe less i think that it was something that was just kind of done under the radar you know these midwives we lost a lot of knowledge um during like the salem witch trials so this is something that i guess we can relate to the u.s but um during those salem witch trials midwives were a lot of them were burned and we lost a lot of knowledge through that i learned i learned that um and so everything was kind of done like under the radar yeah. going forward with that. And there are accounts of women that did it, that consumed their placenta, I should say, um, like in this, you know, 60s, 70s, and they just were eating it. So yeah. um, before, in the, before the 70s, when they were being turned into placenta Uh, placenta pills they were just eating powder or they were eating smoothies or they were cooking it and eating it like a steak which I think that a lot of times people kind of say that mockingly like oh like you know I've had a lot of birth partners say oh like you just slap that on the grill and cook it like a steak or grill it up you know actually well they (laughs) did (laughs) well and I actually had a mom that did do that yeah early on even in my doula year she Mm -hmm. that's she didn't have the money or didn't want to do the expense that way Mm -hmm. and so that's what she did half went into smoothies and the other half she cooked and that's how she consumed her placenta so it's it is a real thing a little bit of salt right (laughs) (laughs) call it good um okay what are let's jump into maybe some of the benefits what are some benefits that women see from placenta encapsulation um many women so a lot of this is anecdotal there have been studies but they're not large okay um, what happened to the mm-hmm. large study yeah there was like the in large 2016 study, yes, a unlv was, mm-hmm. what happened with that one um they just came back out? no i think they came back and said that they so they were able to identify 17 hormones varying hormones in the placenta and they came back and said that after it had been processed that 16 out of those 17 hormones were like physiologically available and that it could provide benefit but they didn't do any testing like let's test these thousand women um well they did they yeah they consumed their placentas and came back with results and i i think that they said that like they, it was positive. It was positive. I guess I need to go back and look at that. We'll look into that. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't remember the results specifically of that. I have. A, maybe I have a little bit of mom brain. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
<laughs> no, I New just baby. remember I remember years ago hearing about it, and then yeah. I'm like, but then you didn't hear about it. So I thought that yeah. was interesting. And when I went online to even search for it, I wasn't coming up with a ton of information. So maybe, maybe they didn't. Maybe they didn't follow up with that aspect. I right. do remember hearing though that there was the 16 out of the 17 um, hormones were still like bioavailable. Yeah, and that's after it had been dried and uh-huh. encapsulated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and there are uh, there are nutrients in them in in the placenta as well. So there's a lot of minerals. There's B6. Uh, there's iron. I think B12 and B6 iron choline and we know that choline is really important during pregnancy and it's even more so actually even more so important during a breastfeeding journey Mm. um a lot of moms report that if they take a choline supplement that it helps them um just feel a little bit they feel more sharp (laughs) maybe i I need to take some choline (laughs) words um but there's a lot of choline in placenta as well so it's kind of a storehouse you know So um, that's a benefit yeah. as well. What are some other benefits that moms would be looking for or that could be useful for them? Yeah, so the anecdotal reports that come back from moms is that it helps them with their mood. So we always say that it can help support um, postpartum mood, help prevent or reduce um, depression and anxiety in postpartum, uh, that it can also help to aid in recovery, provide energy, probably, you know, sourcing back to those B6 vitamins. If a mom's lost a lot of blood, that iron, that helps to replenish those iron stores, rebuild those red blood cells. Um, I had a, I had a mom who told her provider while she was pregnant, um, she'd had, um, I think she'd maybe hemorrhaged with her previous pregnancy and or, or birth. And then in this pregnancy, her provider said, would you like me to just prescribe some iron Hmm. just if you're feeling low and she said well I'm gonna take my placenta do you think that I should also do iron and the provider said oh you're if you're doing encapsulation why don't you just hold off and wait and see how you're feeling and if you feel like you need that on top of your pills then I'll you know send in that prescription for iron so that provider was really supportive of that plan and that way in that regard yeah regarding iron um so also with breastfeeding. Yeah. So I had a client who she was unable to breastfeed her baby. Her milk didn't come in with her first baby. And I don't know the history about, you know, if, if there was, you know, like problems with baby latching or hormones or whatever. But with her second, I, she said, I really would like to try to breastfeed this baby. I encapsulated her placenta and she bre- was able to breastfeed her baby while she was taking her pills. And then when her pills ran out, her milk actually dried up. Wow! So she was like, this really tells me that there must be some sort of like hormonal situation with me mm-hmm. that the placenta supported you know, through that time, she ended up going to her doctor and doing some hormonal checkups and figured out, you know, what was going on. But her, her placenta supported her through that breastfeeding journey, which I think is really amazing. So breastfeeding slumps, a lot of times if moms are kind of noticing a dip, they can up their placentas and up their placenta pills and then kind of support them that way as well. Yeah. I've seen some neat things. I actually had, there was a postpartum specialist that I used to come have, um, speak at my birth course. And she talked about placenta encapsulation, Mm -hmm. but she had only found it for her fourth. And so all other three babies, I mean, she had, she knew it going in, like 
postpartum mood disorders. Um, and she, it would start in pregnancy, that prenatal stuff, and carry out into everything shy of almost psychosis. Mm. I mean, very mm-hmm. intense and for a long time. And she did all these supplements and all these things and it wasn't kicking it. And with that fourth baby, she's like, what do I have to lose? Like, yeah. yes, let's do the placenta. She did that. And sure enough, she's like, even without all these other supplements, even without like these other drastic measures she had to take with the other babies, she had a major change in mood. And yeah. her breastfeeding went a lot smoother. The amount of milk production, which I know if we're talking about stress and hormones and all of that, that can absolutely affect your, your breasts and, oh, and your mood and everything else. So I think just watching the two of those go together and she talks so you know positively about it. So we talk anecdotal, but it's like we have women that when you're interacting with women on a regular basis as a doula or, or any kind of childbirth yeah. care provider and you see the results for yourself, I don't care if it's placebo or not, it becomes worth it. Well, and this is something that I've said too. If it's placebo and it helps, then, then what's so the harm? It. Yeah. You know? <laughs> exactly. Um, I think that if if you are a mom who has ever experienced any type of postpartum mood disorder, you'll do anything to not have to experience it again. Right. And um, I, I had postpartum anxiety with my second son postpartum, um, did not go the way that it did with my first. Mm-hmm. So I just figured that, you know, my first baby was easy. Postpartum was great. No problems. And then my second was a real big wake up call. And that was a really hard time. And to the point where I was a little bit like, Oh, I don't know. Like mm-hmm. if this, <laughs> don't know if that this is what my life is going to be like. I don't know if I want to have any more babies. Yeah. You know, it was really scary. I did not have a good experience. And, um, so when I started doing my birth work journey and learned more about placenta encapsulation, I thought, you know, why, if, if there's a way to help a mom not go through what right. I experienced, right. then I would absolutely want to support someone doing that, yeah. which is really what led me to wanting to do placenta encapsulation. And um, I, I think, you know, like I said, if, if a mom has experienced that, they'll do anything. And I think that that's sort of, if someone's on the fence about like, oh, that sounds weird. Yeah. If you've ever experienced something like that, then you'll right. do whatever you need to do to not have that experience again. And so many moms, so many moms have said, like it's been so positive for them. Like, I don't want to have to skip. Like if I skip it, I can tell my mood. I'm more on edge. You know, I have more of a down day. And so to my friends and my family, if, you know, I don't, I don't push the subject with them, you know, people take it if if they want it, you know, but I'm always like, I'm happy to encapsulate your placenta for you. If this is something that you want to do, then like give it a shot out of all the things I offer, you know, yeah so well and the neat thing about that too is um you can get it encapsulated mm-hmm. or choose to freeze it for a moment while you're deciding not for too long right because it loses some of those yeah potency and i think being... that you know as your hormones are sort of coming down i think that it's more supportive in those early days yeah so you have kind of this like around day three or day four postpartum you have this hormonal crash so i always try to get my placentas back to my mom's around that time if i if i can right and you know one reason or another whether the hospital won't release it or you know just depending on when i pick up the placenta sometimes that happens sometimes it doesn't but the sooner the better yeah is what i've found for most of my 
moms, hundreds of moms that I've done. Do you think though for a mom who is on the fence and she's like maybe either weirded out by it because mm-hmm. if that's you, that was me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want that to you know, stop you from maybe getting it done. Um, and maybe just wanting to see like, do I need it? Mm-hmm. Can't they just stick it in the freezer and worst case or best case, you know, they never have to use it. Um, otherwise they've got it available. Yeah. Yeah, they could. They could. I think that they have to consider the time of like picking it up, processing it and getting it sure. back and whether or not that, if that's just kind of that hormonal crash from pregnancy to yeah. postpartum right <laughs> or if that is like something that will continue long term yeah it's been really scary when there have been um i women that i know that have it, it just kind of spirals deeper and deeper and deeper sure. and and then it, it's harder to get out kind of of that like that makes sense. psychosis like catching up versus mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. on top of it yeah. Just like a contraction, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, I like that. Um, we're going to come back to that a little cool. bit later, actually. Um, I wanted to know if you had some personal stories that stood out to you, shared a few, um, if there's anything that seemed like worthy of or something that would you know help give a ton of information to listeners. Um, and I'm curious if you ended up encapsulating with this last birth for yourself, if you did yeah. any of that. I did. I love it. I did. Yeah, in fact, um, my friend, the one of the midwives that was there, I just said, pre- previous to me being in labor, I just said, will you just kind of plan before you leave? I have a placenta room in my house. When we built mm-hmm. our house, I put a specific room and my husband w- was like, we should put a specific vent <laughs> <laughs> in there. And we did. Um, so I just said, will you go into my placenta room and you know, just get it on the dehydrator for me, get it going. Mm -hmm. And, um, she did. And then when I had a break and felt up for it, I went in and I put it into pills. So I, you did it yourself. Yeah. (laughs) She would have come back, but it was kind of this thing that I, like, I wanted to do do that Mm -hmm. for myself and I just was sitting. So after I'd fed my baby and he was just hanging out, I just went and sat in my placenta room in my placenta chair and I love it did my own placenta and it was fine um but and and I've loved taking it too so that's been something that has been really special for me this time around since I found all of these amazing postpartum birth things yeah after my my big boys is what I say because my baby was is another boy um we didn't find out what we were having and so it was a real fun surprise when he came out and was a boy yeah um but I had I'd learned all these cool things after having my what I thought was my family. And so this time around with this little baby, I did all the things and that I offer to my clients. And it's it's been great. Awesome. Um, I had one client um, that she just said, I, you know, I've, I've done this. I know what I need. And usually I tell people if this is like your repeat time versus following the the dosing suggestions that I give you just do what you know works for you right right because it's made for you by you right so the directions that I give people it's not like an antibiotic and that's what I tell them like Mm -hmm. you don't have to you know if you forget a dose you don't have to make up for it it's just what you're feeling is most is, is the most comfortable for you so um I had a client who said I've done this before I know what works for me like 
what is the soonest you can get this back? Because I know that around this point Mm -hmm. in my postpartum is when those emotions set in. And so especially if I know that there's something like that going on, like they're kind of like on a high priority and like I got to get it back to them really quickly. If they know that at, you know, day, day three, day two, whatever, if they kind of start to tank with their emotions that this placenta will help them. Um, and so most of them are stories like that. Yeah. They're like, I missed a day and I could totally tell. Mm. Or my husband, a lot of times I'll hear my, my, my husband will say, did you take your placenta today? (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Real gingerly. (laughs) So, um, you know, stories like that there, and they're all really similar. Um, the, like, I just feel so good. I haven't had any issues this time or, um, my my depression or my anxiety has really been reduced this time so I don't think that it necessarily is something that cures all sure um but it a lot of people report that it it's worth it to try scales back right Mm -hmm. yeah so did you notice this time knowing from what it was for you last time did you notice a huge difference can you tell when you take yours or skip or have you not skipped I haven't skipped I (laughs) I haven't (laughs) skipped um I I did notice I think kind of as I was still kind of in that like hormonal shift that hormonal roller coaster I felt like I took too high of a dose Mm. um one of the days and just felt really anxious so and yeah, overly what tells emotional. you that you've taken too high of a dose? I like that. Um, feeling an- anxious out of sorts. So like, I think that there can be, it can be, it can go both ways, right? Like if you're feeling anxious and you didn't take enough, maybe take a little bit more. If you're feeling anxious and that's not normal for you, if it's not normal for you, right? Then like tweak your pills. If you yeah. took too much or if you took not enough adjust that and see how you're doing. Um, people will report insomnia. I was going to ask about that Mm -hmm. next. Yeah. Yeah. Because it gives you a lot of energy. Yeah. So Um, do you normally take them in the morning? Is there like a time of day that's I suggest people take them, um, in the beginning, take them morning breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Mm. I always tell people take it with meal, take it with a meal because there's a lot of iron in there. It can upset the stomach if there's not food, you know, going in to digest as well. Mm -hmm. So just to avoid any digestive upset, I tell them to take it with a meal. Um, and then really they tweak it to what they know works best. Yeah. So I, I really encourage my clients to do what works best for them. And so for me, I feel like taking it in the morning is all that I need. I didn't really feel that I needed to take it in um, for my like long term. Right. Um, I didn't feel like I needed to take it in the evening. I've noticed for myself that taking them in the morning works for me, but I always encourage my clients to just do what works for them. Yeah. So I like that. I'm curious, is there anyone, because I feel like, and maybe this is a personal bias now, is there like anyone, I feel like everyone should get it mm-hmm. unless there's a reason to not get it, which I want to talk about. But I mean, I feel like I want to recommend to every mom, like, just like we talked about, what's the harm? What is yeah. the harm? Like, mm-hmm. like the, at, at minimum, take it home with you and put it in the freezer for a day. Like mm-hmm. just see what happens. Um, is there anyone that should not have their placenta encapsulated or that you're not able to encapsulate? Anytime the placenta goes to pathology, no more. No. And what are reasons for it going to pathology? Contamination. Oh, 
going to pathology. Sorry, I thought you meant like why you wouldn't be able to if it gets there. To, okay. Yeah. Um, no. The reason why it would go to pathology would be if there were signs of infection. Um, occasionally, the providers will be like, oh, I want to see like what's going on. Like if there was something that was going on with the baby, mm. um, then they might want to look at the placenta. I just, I don't feel like they're very, I don't feel like it's very founded, <laughs> yeah. like, in, like a ton of evidence. Um, but sometimes, it, sometimes they want to take a look at it if there's something going on with baby genetically. Um, however, that doesn't mean that they can't. That doesn't mean that the placenta isn't good for the mom. Okay. Um, there have been babies that their their placentas that I've encapsulated that have um, you know different different scenarios babies like Down syndrome um, sure babies that have some an- anomalies congenital anomalies I've encapsulated for those moms okay and, and I, it's gonna, been I fine. thought you were saying that those were the ones those are some of them that can't and I'm like wait no. aren't those the moms that need it so yeah I'm glad that you said yeah that. yeah no they've been fine there's really no reason to yeah. not encapsulate it the 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 reasons that you would maybe not want to would be if that mom has an infection in the, in her uterus during okay. labor right. um that would not be a that would not be a good placenta to encapsulate how about placentas that come out in pieces or chunks just means less cutting up for me. Okay. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> okay. I wanted to talk about kind of over some, overcoming some concerns. Mm-hmm. The first being grossness. And I'm just going to throw it out there. Like it was a hard pill to swallow. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> no pun intended. Um, but I was thinking about it and I'm like, why did I, I think I knew of it maybe, maybe it was after my third, maybe it, it was a conversation because I remember my husband was like, maybe it was if we had another one anyways, but he was like, I can't kiss you if you're gonna do that, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, I know I'm a like I don't want to burp up placenta, like you know, like you have like a pill, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like powder, like oh, like that's like placenta, like just there were some hurdles, <laughs> some mental hurdles. That I get it, get it down all the way. Yes, oh, yes, okay, I like this suggestion. Yeah. But Bonnie used to make fun of me here, used to make fun of me or not fun of me, but you were like, I can't believe like you don't do placentas. Like, right? Because oh, yeah. everything else, I'm like super hippie crunchy in a sense. Like I want, you know, all of these things for mom and I'm doula and like, yes, do all the things and poop doesn't bother me and I'll watch yeah. you get stitched up. It's fine. Yeah. There's something about that placenta and it is a hard. Anyway, so I thought if it's me, like I know I'm not alone. I know that there's other moms that are going to have to like, do I really want to think about this going into my mouth? Mm-hmm. And so, and the husbands too, because I, <laughs> I do think I'm like, oh, but I did have postpartum depression and I did mm-hmm. have some issues with breastfeeding before. So I kind of wish I would have done it anyways. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to talk about how do we, what are some advice <laughs> to get over some of those hurdles um, for ourselves and for our birth partners? Well, I would, I would first say to the birth partners, like, if that's something that your partner wants to support them postpartum to prevent them from experiencing these mood disorders, if a, if a birth partner's ever been depressed before or ever has had anxiety before, which at this point, I just feel like it's probably pretty safe to say that everybody has. Sure. My husband's been on here to talk about it, yeah. which makes me wonder, I feel like I know the answer, but have you had women whose birth partners have taken their placentas? Like placenta pills for their postpartum. I've never heard back on that. 
okay, I've actually heard of a dad doing it. Oh, so did it help him? Um, I don't remember. I just remember. I think maybe my brain stopped at that. Oh. <laughs> but I do remember, like, like yeah, he had taken them too. I mean, there's estrogen in placenta pills, so I don't. <laughs> Not to be shared. I don't no. know. I, just... I know that there are women who will share them with their like biological sisters. Oh, interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I want to go into like. If you don't use them now, you can use them later, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. okay, maybe we'll just touch on it now. Like, So I, I usually tell people, if you are wanting something long-term, consider a tincture, which is really easy to just add on to a placenta package. Um, it's something that, it's, it's probably the most common add-on that I have for um, my placenta orders. Yeah. Um, it's... It provides the same benefits long-term. It's more shelf-stable. Mm-hmm. It's longer-lasting. Um, so it's something that I you know, encourage. Use your placenta pills when, for, for when you need them now. They do deteriorate. They lose potency over time. I tell people if you're going to store them long-term, put them in the freezer. And then if you do need to come back to them, they're there, mm-hmm. but um, if there's something that they want, you know, for menopause or something like that, yeah, um, to consider a tincture. I know that there's also reports of people using placenta tincture after hysterectomies to help with that hormone regulation, because you sort of, if if it's a full hysterectomy and they take the ovaries and you're just immediately in menopause, right. Right. Um, Those hormones are gone, which is kind of what menopause is. Those hormones are sort of like shifting and changing. Right. So um, hysterectomies, post post hysterectomy tinctures are it's supportive that way. Yeah. Um, But so, yeah. So long term, that's what I would suggest for people. But they can save them. They just need to know that it just sort of is less potent the sure. longer that they're there. Um, and yeah, I've, I've also heard of people saving them for their daughters when they start their period. I, at that point, I just feel like that might be really less potent. Yeah. <laughs> You're saving this placenta for that daughter. <laughs> 14 to 18 years, yeah. depending on when that happens for that daughter. It's a old yeah. pill. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting, though, and I am glad you brought up the tincture because I mm-hmm. like the idea of something shelf-stable that's going to mm-hmm. last some time, and I have heard of women using it during menopause mm-hmm. successfully. Yeah, um, h- Hormone replacement is something that we do during menopause or that some women choose to do anyways. This yeah. is a natural way to do mm-hmm. that, so I love that. Will you talk a little bit about the safety side of this? So when we're talking about some concerns, right, so we talked about maybe it not being you know, palatable, Yeah, um, which I love the idea of drying it and all of that. But I I thought maybe I could have you walk through what does it look like once you get a placenta, the preparation for it, and then how you prepare and give it to a mom so that somebody that's looking into it knows the process behind it. And then to, I'm curious how moms can find someone who does a good job. Like, for example, having a specific space for a placenta, this isn't something that should be taken home and just put on the kitchen counter you know, to prepare. Well, I think that that definitely should be something that if they are doing it in their kitchen, it should be a very clean surface. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I meant like we're not dropping it on our same cutting board and, you no. know, just going to town. No. So everything you talk a little separate. bit yeah. about the process. Um, I am a, I, me 
personally in my personal life I really feel like I try to do everything that I can to you know support and help save the environment and like you know lots of like I make my kids use like reusable like versus paper towels we have like dish towels that we use and you know that type of stuff and when it comes to placenta everything is disposable (laughs) we don't reuse yeah right so um when I get a placenta it comes home to me I have a separate fridge that it goes in it goes into the separate fridge in my placenta room and it's either stays there till I encapsulate it or sometimes it just goes straight in into being processed um so for me in my space i have a separate fridge i have a separate sink it has its own counter um and everything gets draped the placenta gets cleaned really well rinsed off um then it um, goes on to being sliced up and i slice it as thin as i can um, and then it goes on to parchment into the dehydrator and then it dehydrates and usually I will let that go for 24 hours. I know that sometimes it can be done beforehand, but um, 24 hours at 165. And then after that, I continue on with the process of um, blending it up, goes into a bullet, <laughs> a, mag- a magic bullet, and then um, into pills. So in my encapsulation machine and then everything gets cleaned. Yeah. So everything gets cleaned the day before and then everything gets cleaned once it's in pills. So So. how do you know how many pills somebody's going to get? The size of the placenta. That was one thing that I was really curious about my placenta. Um, I I can tell that... um, a mom is a really healthy eater mm. with her with her placenta. Interesting. Um, if they eat a lot of, I, I I feel like less healthy options result in a less healthy placenta, which so makes sense. Less healthy eating options, yeah, results in a less healthy placenta, and um, so that was one thing that I was really excited to see. Like, wow, what was the size of my placenta? Did it look healthy? And um, Karina said, you know, yes to both. Like it was, it was a smaller. Pl- my baby was only seven four, and so you wouldn't expect to have a monster placenta right. with a smaller baby. That would be signs of maybe some restriction happening in that pregnancy. Um, and if you have a smaller placenta with a really bigger with a bigger baby then that just means that placenta was really efficient Hmm. and so my placenta was like average I was like what (laughs) I'm not gonna have like huge pill quantity (laughs) with you know my it was just average yeah what is an average amount of pills I would say like 200 give or take and how many pills do moms take a day so about how long does it last them and I know that you said that's variable yeah it's variable so it usually what I'll suggest and again it it changes based off of these mom's needs, right? So I will say start with two pills, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, well, actually three pills a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the first week. Then back it off to two pills, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then the third week, bra- backing it off even more to breakfast, lunch, just one pill, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And they can, they can change that. If mm. they feel like they only need two pills a day, then great then that's what works for them. If they only need one pill a day, if they need to be taking three pills a day for the entire duration of their placenta pills that mm-hmm. last, then great, you know. 
Um, so it, that's kind of hard to say, like yeah. how long yeah. one will last. And I think that moms can sort of adjust it if they're like, okay, like I'm feeling really good. I want this to last me longer. Then they might choose to scale back earlier. Yeah. Great. Do you find that there's an average, like most moms feel the best when they take it for a minimum of three months? Is there anything that you've I would paid say, attention to that way? I would say that they feel their best the first, like it, it sets them up for a really good extended postpartum if they're taking it consistently that first month. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's neat. Different for everybody, but that would be maybe yeah. a, a good average. Yeah. yeah. Okay, before we get off of here, I just want to take a moment and talk about COVID and placentas because we had a really neat back and forth on mm-hmm. text message. It made me very interested. Um, so will you talk a bit about what you've seen mm-hmm. from, did you have COVID during pregnancy or no. was it just prior and after? It was before and after. Oh I don't know how I dodged that bullet. I'm really grateful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you've noticed some things yeah, specific to placentas if mom has had COVID during pregnancy. And I'm curious to know because there's also right some studies and things that mm-hmm. show a mom that's had it for second trimester versus the third trimester. And if you've noticed a difference on those placentas that have had it while the placenta is growing versus when it's kind of done. Yeah, so there have been a few placentas in the beginning. There was there were some placentas that I got that I was like, "What happened <laughs> yeah. here?" You know, they yeah. just didn't look great. Um, they weren't unhealthy, like to the point where I felt like I couldn't encapsulate them. That wasn't the problem. They just were just they kind of were like falling apart they were really thin really membranous there's a lot of membranes not a lot of Mm. tissue um and so just kind of you know some back and forth communication with that client saying you know oh yeah well i i did have covid okay when did you have covid Mm -hmm. you know and and so what i have seen in the long and the short of it what i have noticed is that as that placenta is still growing that first second trimester um if a mom gets COVID during that time, those placentas just kind of don't look as healthy. Um, I haven't noticed a difference for those moms that get the plus, that get COVID um, in that like later third trimester. That they, on their placenta, yeah, like it, it doesn't look quite as hashed yeah. or damaged yeah. as the ones that were earlier on. The placentas that you've gotten that have looked a little irregular. Worse for wear. Yes. <laughs> a little worn out. Mm-hmm. Those moms, are you aware, and I might be asking questions that you just don't have answers to, are you aware of, was baby premature? Was a cesarean, cesarean section? Did they get induced early because of complications? Are, have you noticed any patterns that way? The majority of them have um, ended up, were ended up being induced because of mm-hmm. high blood pressure preeclampsia symptoms Um, and I think that there were a few of those babies and it's hard to say that was it because they were induced early Um, and they weren't like drastically early I guess Mm -hmm. I should say like it was like within like term you know Um, but those babies were a little bit like on the smaller side yeah and that's I mean that's pretty consistent with at least what we're hearing and what we're reading so I think um, it clearly makes sense like if we have an opportunity to avoid or -hmm. do our best to not get COVID during Mm -hmm. those early months we're going to likely see better outcomes for mom and baby Mm -hmm. when it's time to have a baby so would you say just the whole pregnancy just don't get it (laughs) I was gonna say because I'm like would you say when you hit that third trimester you're like be free you know no (laughs) 
Don't okay. be free. Don't be no. free. Don't be free with your COVID. Don't. No. I mean, I think it's super important to not. It's not about quarantining and staying away from everybody and all that. Like human connection is a very real thing that we mm-hmm. need. Be cautious. Be, be cautious. Careful. Yeah. Be careful. So. And I think that there's also something to be said for nutrition playing a role as yeah. well. You know, continue to eat healthy. Even if you get COVID, it doesn't mean you like throw it out the window and just like always. Oh, this isn't yeah, going to be good anymore. Give me all the Burger King. <laughs> I don't know. Um, just, yeah. Like just. You know, vitamin E is really good for that placenta. Vitamin C is really good for placenta. Um, So just make sure that like you're eating nutritious foods. The supplements that you're taking are good quality supplements. Um, Omegas, those are really healthy, good, important. They play important roles in pregnancy, development of baby. Yeah. For moms. Yeah. Mom brain. <laughs> choline. Choline. Yes. <laughs> Take your choline, everybody. Yeah. Okay. Um, thank you for You're your welcome. time. Thank you for being here. Your wisdom. Guys, yeah. I'm so excited for you to listen to this. Also, you are a placenta encapsulation specialist. She's yeah. got her own room that she built into <laughs> her house. So do you want to share a little bit about where people can find you if in they're in the Utah area? Where's your how far do you go? You know, there have been moms that I have um worked out like I I had a client who was like I just really need this done but I live in price and so you know we worked it out that somebody drove it up and um then I mailed it back I love it. So mm-hmm. if you're in northern Utah, yeah, northern Utah, yeah. Um, give Bonnie a call sure. <laughs> or text or whatever. Yeah. So how can they reach you? Give me all the things. So um, they can go to my website, bellissimobirth.com. Will you spell that? B-E-L-L-I-S-S-I-M-O, birth, B-I-R-T-H, dot com. Thank you. <laughs> and there's actually, um, so I have a placenta page. They can go on the placenta page and it kind of breaks everything down, pricing, what you know, what that, what it's going to look like, yeah. the process, pick up, drop off, whatever, and then they can actually just fill out that the order form there, and then it automatically comes through. They're added to my calendar, and then I sometimes I see them, sometimes I don't. Sometimes <laughs> I, I, it was more exciting when I would get to like actually meet the client when I would go to pick yeah. it up, but now because of COVID, um, sure. I've just been relegated to the front doors. I love it. So <laughs> I usually love I see the birth partner. Though. Yeah. Yeah. I'm grateful. It's still an option. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So you heard it here. If you're looking for placenta encapsulation, <laughs> you're in Northern Utah. I want you guys to reach out to Bonnie. She's incredible. Um, thank you again for your time. Yeah. That's it for this week, but make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you get notifications first as I drop new episode every week. And don't forget to head over to myessentialbirth.com for all of the free downloads mentioned here and to join the birth course and community serving pregnant moms just like you. If you enjoyed this and other episodes, I would love it if you would take a few minutes to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I read every single one and include one at the beginning of each episode. See you next week.